Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. I want to encourage you guys. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. We've been walking through Matthew, uh, kind of not verse by verse necessarily. That um, would literally take years. Uh, but we've been picking, picking along some ways. And really, we're asking the question. Uh, we're asking the question, as, as uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven and citizens of uh, the kingdom on earth, or the many kingdoms that can pop up on earth, how are we to live? How are we to operate? How are we to move and have our being? And so we're walking through the book of Matthew, which really talks through a lot of those uh, ways of living and how to go about that course of living. We've, we've discovered that along the way, the word hypocrisy comes up a ton in the book of Matthew. Essentially, God is saying, hey, I don't want you to live double-minded. I don't want you to live one way in front of your Christian friends and another way in front of the world. What I want you to do is I want you to live the same life. Don't be a hypocrite. But what does that same life look like? And so we've been picking up various stories, and uh, we've been finding out what that life looks like. Now, can I tell you that uh, I, I'm, I'm a guy that enjoys a little affirmation. Is there anybody else out there like me? You enjoy being affirmed. No, I'm alone, right? There, there we go. Fine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you guys all conspire before uh, we got together? But yeah, I, I enjoy being affirmed, right? We all do. People enjoy being told, hey, you're, you're, you're good at what you do. Hey, we, we appreciate how you took a shower today. Thank you for using deodorant, right? You enjoy the affirmation that comes along with living. We all like to hear that we've done well. We all like to hear that we, we look well or our dress or our, our, our clothes are nice. Um, don't compliment me on my dress. That will be awkward. But we all enjoy some affirmation. Affirmation's not bad. As, as a Christ follower, sometimes we can get caught up and we can be like, well, I don't want to be too heady. I don't want to be. No, no, no. Affirmation's good. In fact, there's many places in the Bible where God uses affirmation to motivate us. And we come along one of those today. And one of the most famous lines of affirmation for the Christian is this. And if you know it, you can finish it. Well done, my good and faithful servant, right? If you've been inside the church world for, for more than 10 minutes, you've heard, man, one day we're going to hear that. One day you're going to hear that. Well done, my good and faithful servant. What I've discovered is that while that's absolutely true and it's absolutely worth pursuing, if you were to ask most Christians, hey, what's the context of that verse? What, what's going on when God says, well done, my good and faithful servant? What, what is it that we should be about if we're going to hear that affirmation? And we think, well, gee, I, when people say it, they're just kind of meaning like, when I get to heaven. When I get to heaven. He's, he's just going to tell us all that, right? Like everybody that flies through the doors, he's just going to say, well done, well done, well done. He's going to be like a Walmart greeter and everybody gets, well done. And we think like, Oh, of course, I'm a Christian. I'm going to hear, well done. Before we get to the good news, can I tell you a little bad news? That's not exactly what it says in the Bible. It doesn't necessarily say that, well, just because you're a Christian, just because you've trusted Christ as Savior, automatically... 
What's it really about? Matthew chapter 25, uh, starting in verse 14. And I'm going to go ahead and break this down as we go today. Instead of normally I read all the way through and then I come back. Today I'm going to break it down as we go. But Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, it says this. For it will be, this is Jesus speaking, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted. Everybody say entrusted. Entrusted. It's going to be important. Entrusted to them his property. His property. To one he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. This is a part right here. This is a part that many of us Christians are too polite to read. Look what it says, how he apportioned this. To each according to what? His ability. Then he went away. You see, as Christians, we, we don't like to talk about this. And there's, a, there's an ongoing fight in the world right now even. Like, hey, everybody has to always be on the same exact surface and playing field all the time. That's what God would want. Jesus is speaking here, and Jesus is giving the illustration of a kingdom of heaven. And it's Jesus himself who's saying, listen... When, when God is giving out gifts, when God is giving out talents, it's each according to his ability. Now listen, the goal is not to embarrass the person with one or two. It's just a realistic measurement. And I've got news for you. When I was 13 or 14, I, was, I did not have the ability to do much of what I have today. And so it's not a negative to realize that, you know, a simple fact of life at different stages and ages and places and, and, and athletic abilities and talents, our, our abilities do shift. So that, that in and of itself isn't terrible, but our world wants to make it out to be, hey, well, we, we, we just all need to be exactly the same. No, 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 we don't. We really don't. Like, so the reality is, is that though we don't like it, favor is not fair. You've heard me say this before, but it's so, so true. We've got to get down into our souls. Like, favor is not fair. Favor is not equally distributed. The reality is, is that God, when he looks upon us, he looks and says, listen, who am I going to be blessing? Who am I going to, to have bear my name and go out and do things? He looks and he's looking for something. And that's what we're going to get to today. What is God looking for? Because if, if, if there is an ability for God to see something in me, and if I need to change and become more like Jesus, if, if I can be a greater vessel and use for greater things, then I want that. But what is it that maybe God is saying, hey, I, I don't see that in you, Tali? Right, right now, right now, Tali, you're, you're, you're a one-talent dude because you're, you're not demonstrating some things to me. And so he starts off this whole story, and he, he destroys what a lot of people are building their lives on, this basis, this idea that every single person has to be given the exact same. And that's just not true. It's not even biblical. Favor is not fair. The word entrusted implies that our gifts or our resources or our talents are gifts from God. The word entrusted there means that they're his. And so if you have abilities and talents, the, word, uh, the book of Deuteronomy says, even our minds and our abilities to go to work are gifts from God. Even our minds. So you say, well, no, 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 I got this because I'm smart. God says, no, 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 I gave you the smarts. And so even the ability to obtain things is a gift from God. And so when we look, it's not, it's not bad or looking down on each other. It's just simply saying that, hey, 
God doesn't say every single person all the sing- every single time. Favor is not fair, but it's according to his ability. The fact that we're not equal shouldn't scare us. The, the fact that we're not equal in terms of outcomes shouldn't scare us. It shouldn't drive us away. God, I've got news for you. As a freshman in high school, I wrestled on my wrestling team, not very well, but I did it. I wrestled on my wrestling team. I weighed 112 pounds. I was barely over five feet, right? Now today, it's like I ate 112 pounds, right? So, but 112 pounds was what I weighed as a freshman. I looked it up. Do you know what LeBron James' son, who's 15 years old, that young man is dunking basketballs behind his head. He's six foot two as, as, as a 15-year-old. Six foot two. He's, big, he's bigger than me, and he's, he's only 15. Listen, it's common sense. Tolly Wilgus as a freshman is not going to be equal to LeBron James' son as a freshman. Can we all get an amen? <laughs> like, it, it is just what it is. Earlier today, before the cameras started rolling, the church started, uh, I was up here and I saw that the, the worship team had left out their notes. So I began to sing the song as I thought it sounded. And I'll be honest, I thought my way, I mean, your rendition, guys, was pretty good, but I thought I had a pretty good rendition. I think I was, I was in my own camp. <laughs> I think I was the only one that thought it was a good rendition. But here's the deal. I don't have equal gifts when it comes to singing as others do or, or playing, uh, playing music like my, my son does. My son has an incredible gift, an incredible ear for music. I can't do that, and he'll tell you I can't. <laughs> so the idea that we're different shouldn't make us feel sad. But what I've found and what I see, and, and I think what you'll see in Scripture today, is that that. Many times people spend more of their time being angry for what they don't have than harnessing what they do have. Many times people spend more time because the world tells us, you've got to be this, you've got to be that, you've got to walk like that, talk like that, wear these kind of clothes, drive that kind of car, and we're just bombarded with who we're supposed to be. That we start to get worked up about what they have and what others have. And, and we, get, we get all this energy built up saying, man, I, I lack. But as you'll see in this story, God's not judging on the outcome. He's judging on something else. But favor's not fair. and We need to understand that. That should not really bother us. We should really understand that, you know what? It's just not going to be the same. And if, if athletic ability is not distributed equally, why would I think every other kind of ability would be exactly equal? There are some of you in this room that are scientists. I, I, I don't understand. I would, I would get lost in a conversation once we got two or three layers deep. There are some of you that, that understand the arts in a way that I can never see. And being around you is beneficial to me because I learn and I get to see things I would never see on my own. And so some of you are great managers and, and you can run teams really, really well. Some of you are great editors and you're able to edit documents in a way I would, I would I'd look like an idiot if I put out every first draft. And so the, the point is, is that we all have, God has given his body various gifts and you and I have got to quit spending our time trying to figure out how we can be someone else or how we can be jealous of someone else. We need to spend our time saying, Lord, what are the gifts you've given me? 
And how can I most utilize those for the kingdom of God and and your glory? I don't need to worry about trying to be like Tolly. I don't need to worry about trying to be like Jeff Moose. I, I need to worry about being me. But favor is not distributed equally. It's not fair all the time. We got to quit worrying about the fairness of it in every single situation. Matthew 16 goes on. Or Matthew 25 verse 16. He who had received the five talents. Let me tell you about a talent real quick. You can go look this up. There's lots of different thoughts on it. But, but the one that seems to be close is about 6,000 denarii. 6,000. And, and, and if you look at that, that would take a day laborer, somebody that was getting paid minimum wage, 20 years worth of a salary. So when you hear that, man, he got five talents, that's like 100 years of an average person's salary. And he gave it, listen, look at the parallel, look at the picture. The master gave it to a servant. What is a servant doing with 100 years worth of day labor wages? That's the picture that God wants us to understand. And when we look and realize that God has given us everything we have, we should have that same awestruck mindset. God, I live in a world of 7.4 billion people. And if I'm simply an American that has a regular job, I'm in like the top 5% of every world earner on the planet. So who am I to have this? How was I born here? How, was, how did I have this family and this community? How, how did I, I, man, I hit the, the cosmic lottery. And our, uh, our view of God should be, even if we're the poorest among Americans, our view of God should be, wow, you, you would bless me? You, you would bless me like this? You would put in my hands these resources? You would give me access to this Government in this time? Wow. We all read this story and we just, we focus in again. Look, our, where do your brains go? Our brains go to the one. We're like, oh man, this guy, what did he do? He didn't get anything. He got 20 years worth of wages. And as you see later, you and I might judge that he shouldn't have got anything. But yet, the master was still so gracious still even gave him 20 years worth of wages. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents went and made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Do you see it? It says he who received the five talents. What does it say? He had received the five talents. He went how, how quickly? At once. At once. He realized what he was entrusted with. And he realized that, wow, being entrusted with much carries a responsibility. And as Christians, you and I have to understand, God does not give you things to be a spiritual cul-de-sac. He doesn't give you stuff to be a silo. He gives you resources to have responsibility. And how you're going to be judged is not by how much he gave you to begin with. It's going to be, what did you do with what I gave you? 
And so he looked and he had this responsibility about him. He said, man, this is my master's money. I'm not just going to hoard it. I'm not going to dig a hole. I'm going to get to work. I'm going to get to work. I'm going to multiply whatever it is that God put in my hands so that, so that the master can be blessed. Because he's trusted us with so much. But he would receive one talent, dug it in the ground, and hid his money. He had this attitude that was just like, well, at least I didn't lose it. At least I didn't lose it. Found a good hole. Did a real good job burying it. Some of us are walking through our lives. God, at least I didn't ruin it. God, at, le at least I'm not that guy. At least I'm not that religious leader that fell. God, at least I'm not, I'm not those people. At least I'm holding it together on the outside. At least, at least, at least, at least my biggest sin hasn't been pointed out. At least, at least, at least. Do you think God wants you to live celebrating? Well, at least... At least I didn't blow it. At least I didn't mess up. At least. That's what, you think that's what God has given you, John 10, 10, abundant life for? So that you can live an at least life? No, he, 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 he calls us to give us and he says, listen, go immediately. Faithfulness works. If you're jotting notes, write this down. It's in your Bible app as well. Faithfulness works when we work it. The thing about faithfulness, it's really cute to say, man, when I get to heaven, God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. No, faithfulness works when you work it. And, and I've got news for you. As Christians, you and I should have no problem declaring there is a biblical Judeo-Christian work ethic. You should have no problem declaring that. And I'm, I'm, I'm super sick of hearing illiterate Bible readers go out and say, well, Jesus would want everybody to have everything. No, not really at all. And in fact, he tells us multiple times that there is a work ethic involved, that I didn't just give you this life to sit around and loaf and suck up from everybody else. I, I gave you this life so that you'll go out and produce more. You'll go out and multiply. You'll go out and make greater what I gave. He, he started us all out, dropped us in a garden, and before there was any sin in the world, what did he say? Before there's any sin in the world, Lord God took man, Genesis 2.15. God took man, put him in the garden. To what? Work it. Work it. There was no sin. Work is not a penalty. Some of us live, we have the ability to do things, but we act like work is a penalty. Like, oh, God, God. Gotta go to work today. Gotta be productive. I know that's what he put you here for. Get something done. Next verse, 2 Th uh, Thessalonians 3:10. For even, Paul's saying, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. Look at the command that Paul gave these people in, in Thessalonica. Look, if, if anyone, he says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. If anyone's unwilling to work, then he doesn't eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. You're not busy at work, but you're being a busy body. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus. Do their work quietly and earn your own living. Again, this is God's people. This is God's message. 
The idea of laboring, the idea of working, the idea of producing is a biblical narrative. It's not a Western thing. It's not a U.S. thing. It's not a, some capitalistic destruction of the world. It's not that Jesus would want a different system. This is the system that Jesus gave. He said, listen, I'm going to put you here, but I'm not putting you here to be idle. I want you to get something done. I want you to make something better. I want you to improve the lives of people around you. Proverbs 12, 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he, I love this, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. <laughs> if you work the land you got, you'll be fine. You'll be able to eat. But if you want to chase after fairies, you're probably going to be poor. You know, you're probably not, it's not going to help you too much. I really genuinely believe half of the degrees that are in college are worthless fairy tale pursuits. Like they, they're not productive. Find something that, that the world around you needs and, and do it. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Be, be fruitful. God's primary focus is not on how much we have. God's focus on what, is on what we do with what he's given us. Some of us do begin life with more resources than others. Some of us begin the journey with less. Those of us that have more have a greater responsibility to those with less. If you read, and we'll look into this probably next week, but if you read the end of Matthew, and you, if you have any doubt that God also commands those of us with more to be charitable and loving and generous, go read the end of Matthew. It's all about who gets into heaven, and it doesn't have a sinner's prayer. It doesn't talk about if you'll pray these words, if you'll live the four spiritual laws. No. It says if you look after the poor, if you care for the needy, if you look after, if you clothe the naked, if you visit the prisoner. So there's a greater responsibility to those that have more. But God's not judging you based on what you have or where you start. He's looking at what do you do with what you are given and the moment that I, because you guys know my story, growing up in uh, poverty, it's so easy to look around and just be jealous of everybody and be bitter and be angry. But, but the moment that I start to look sideways at someone else's stuff, I begin to break one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. God does not want us looking over the fence trying to decide where we match up compared to other people. He wants us to look what's within our hands and say, okay, fine, I've only got a nickel. What am I going to do with this nickel? We used to uh, play a game when, when I was a youth pastor in Texas, but it was a, a trade-up game, Texas trade-up. And so basically you drop the kids off, and as a youth pastor, this is a perfect idea. You just go and you drop off groups of five kids or so in this big shopping center, and you give them all this paper clip. And you just tell them, you got to trade up, and we'll pick you back up in two hours. And the kids will take the paper clip, and they'll go run up to some lady, and they'll say, ma'am, I've got this paper clip. I need to trade up. Do you have anything that I could trade you for this paper clip? And the lady will look through her purse and she'll get, oh, I, all I got is this pen. Okay, thank you. Sir, 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 I have this pen. Do you have anything I could trade you for this pen? Well, I, I've got this, you know, this, this locket. You know, I don't really need a locket. Oh, a locket, that's awesome. 
run up to them, and do it again and again and again. And by the end of the evening, you basically say whoever's got the most you know, value wins. If you look online, there's this guy that did this on his own as his own deal. And the dude ended up with a house. He ended up with tickets to concerts. He ended up, it all started with a paperclip. Here's the thing. God wants, God's not looking at you saying, Tolly, all you have is a paperclip, shame on you. He's looking and saying, Tolly, if all I gave you was a paperclip, would you trust me? Would you love me? Would you be looking over the, the, your shoulder, figuring out who's got more? Would you be looking over the fence, trying to see how bad I've treated you compared to how good I've treated other people? Or would you take that paperclip and believe that I'll make a way? Too many of us lack faith because we're not practicing faith. Many of us aren't practicing faith in our day-to-day lives. We're just not. We're going to work. We're collecting the check. Going to work, collecting the check. We go here on Fridays. We go here on Saturdays. We mow the lawn. And we're just doing the same stuff every week. And there's no reason for us to have faith because we're not invested in faith in anything. We're not asking God to do anything for us. And we've got to get to the place to where we say, God, all I got is a paperclip. But I believe you have concert tickets. I believe that you have the house. I believe that you have a well in Africa. I believe that you're going to have a school set up. I believe that you're going to build your church. I believe you're going to do something great. All I've got is this paperclip. Some of us need to stop with this paperclip mentality and realize that God is not judging us on what we have. He's judging us on what we'll do with what we have. Matthew 25, 19 says this. Now after a long time, everybody say a long time. A long time. We have no idea how long time. The master of those servants came back and settled accounts. He had received five, came forward with five and, and uh, two and two. Well done, my good and faithful servant. He said to the five, you have been faithful over a little. So what's the reward? You have been faithful over a little. Enter into the joy of your master. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of of your master. What is God's encouragement? We all like affirmation. What is God's encouragement? It is well done. Everybody say well done. done. You know what it is not? It is not well thought. God does not see you in heaven and go, way to think, Tolly. Way to think about helping people. Way to think about loving your neighbor. Way to think about, no. It's not well thought. He doesn't get there. We don't get to heaven and God says, well intended, Tolly, I know you intended on being generous with people in your life. I, you, you meant well, but you were just waiting for that, that pay increase. And man, I knew you would get around to it. Well intended. He doesn't, we don't get to heaven. He says, well-meaning. Tolly, you meant well. You were terrible and you made terrible decisions and you were irresponsible, but you meant well. No, we all want the affirmation. And we all believe that just because you're a Christian, you're going to fly through the doors and he's going to slap you on your back and you're going to, well done, my good and faithful servant. No. If you want that affirmation, if you want to hear your father in heaven tell you well done, guess what? You've got to do something. You've got to leverage your life. You've you've got to begin to get to work. It doesn't have to be this grand scheme. You don't have to have this Pauline experience with God where you're blinded and you, it doesn't have to be. It just needs to be that you're putting to work what God put in your hands. You're using your gifts. You're using your talents. You're walking across the street and loving your neighbor. You're doing something out 
of the ordinary for yourself. We often want credit for our intentions, but we want to hold other people accountable for their actions. God looks at our heart, but he also judges our actions. What are we doing with what he's given us? The one with two, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. So what's the reward? I'll make you faithful over much. God rewards our output, not our incomes. The five and the two, they both receive the same reward. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with it. And look, the reward for great faithfulness is even greater responsibility. If you're having a hard time being faithful with what he's got in your hands right now, trust me, you can't handle what he would bring you next. You and I, we've got to be faithful all the way through. We've got to be faithful with what's right in front of us. And then, you know, the cool thing is, he gives you more responsibility. Many of us are thinking, well, man, I just wish I had more. No, you wouldn't be able to handle it. If you want to be able to handle it, you've got to do what God has you to do with what you have. Your reward is responsibility. So then he gets to the one, and I'm going to conclude with this. Then he gets to the one, and it says, he who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, look at this, look at, look at, look at this. This is so important, so key for today. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping what you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent into the ground. Here, you have what is yours. He's blaming the master for his own irresponsibility. And he's blaming him based on how he views the master. This is so important for you. It's so key for you. How much of your life are you blaming on God? Well, God, I see you to be this way. I see that you bless others who don't do anything. I see that you do this. I see that. How much is your view of God getting in the way of your ability to serve him? How you see the God of your gifts impacts the gifts you give to God. How you see the God of your gifts impacts the gifts that you give to God. Even in spite of all of this, this, this guy, after you read this story, I mean, I'm looking at this guy. I'm looking at our elders out here. Man, I'd have been coming to y'all saying, we're firing this joker. We're, we're firing this guy. I'm not even getting but But that's the issue. Even though God knew, even though the master knows, he still gives you a chance. He still gave the one talent guy 20 years worth of wages. Still gives you the opportunity. What are we going to make of the opportunity? When God responds back to the master, when the, when the master responds back to the servant, he says, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew, this is a question mark, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I've gathered where I've put no seed. He's like, you knew this? You're so smart. You, you knew that that's what I'm about? Question mark. And then he's like, why didn't you just give it to the bank? Let me get interest on my money then. If it's just my money and you don't think I earn it, you don't think I'm worth it, and you got all these negative opinions of me, well, if that's the case, why didn't you just give it to, to the banker so I could at least draw interest on my money since I don't earn it? God rewards the faithful and the full of faith. You can have a scarcity mentality or an abundance mentality. 
You either believe that there's so little to go around and God's not going to help you and God's not going to love you and God doesn't care about you. That's a scarcity mentality. Or you could have an abundance mentality. My God owns the cattle in a thousand hills. My God has access to heaven. My God just simply breathed all this into existence. And you can look at men and women of faith and you can look and say, do they live by a scarcity mentality that believes little about their God? Or do they have an abundancy mentality that says, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there because I believe in faith God's going to use and work through me. God rewards the faithful and the full of faith. You know what you believe as a Christian? God has greater in store. God has more to give. I believe in faith over fear. We're stewards of our stuff, not owners. And there is more to come and not less. We roll up our sleeves and we multiply what's in our hands. And by hard work and God's grace, we don't look to the left and to the right to other people. We don't get arrogant or jealous. We just simply see somebody in need. We respond with God's gracious generosity. And we expect that if we're faithful, if we're faithful, we will hear well done. I want to challenge you, church, this week. Ask God, God, how can I be faithful with what you have in front of me? I don't have to have what the other guy has. I don't have to have what the other ladies have. What I need to do is be faithful with what's right in front of me. I want to hear well done. I'm not going to hear well thought. I'm not going to hear well intended. I'm not going to hear, you know, good try. It's well done. What am I going to put my hands to with the rest of of my life. I pray that you'll have faith. I pray that you'll live with faithfulness. I pray that you'll have an abundant mentality and not a scarcity mentality. God's got great things in store for you, but you need to get to work. Well done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you challenge us in your word not to be idle, not to be busybodies, not to cry and complain about everybody else's situation, but to just put our hands faithfully to the plow, knowing that there's plenty out there and you're the God of all of it. And so, Father, I thank you, God, that as you grow us up, you give us more responsibility. And the responsibility involves loving on those that don't have the ability to earn and to make a living. Father, I pray that we will be found in both regards faithful I pray that in, in terms of earning, we'd be found faithful because we wouldn't be, uh, we wouldn't be lazy. We wouldn't be um, just laying around. We wouldn't be busybodies. We wouldn't be slothful, but actually we would get to work. And Father, I pray that once we have resources, as we have resources, if we see somebody in need, let us be responsible with what you've given us. Help us to be stewards and not owners. Help us to be managers and not owners. Help us to give generously the way you've generously given to us. Father, let us be found faithful. Let us believe big for what you have in store for our lives. Let us hear, well done. It's in Christ's name that we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Can we thank God this morning?